All right, I want to um, begin this morning with a, a little test, if you will. I want to uh, give you a number, and then I want to ask you the significance of that number. All right, here's the number. 456. 456. I'd be shocked if anyone gets it. <laughs> 456. Yes, Anna. The number of Sundays in this building right here. That's amazing, is it not? 456 times we have gathered at Rock Valley Bible Church right here to worship Jesus Christ. March 3rd, 2002, we had our first meeting. I remember that day. It was snowy outside and we thought maybe we might not get in. Um, but we did. And uh, I, am, I am thankful uh, for this place that God has privileged us to use, the church body. Um, every Sunday morning, almost nine years, these doors have been open to us to use. And what a, a gracious provision from the Lord. Never in that time have we lacked a place to worship. Never. It's always, it's always been open and available to us. Well, Lord willing, we will meet one more time for the 457th time next week here. And if all goes as planned, we will begin meeting in a new place on December 12th. So, next Sunday we are here. And then after that, if you come here, you'll find the doors locked. And um, remember your mistake. And uh, on December 12th, we plan on, on using the building at 7721 North Alpine Road. And uh, the significance, though, is that it's not merely a change of, of room or location. It's also a change of dynamic as well. Because for the first time, we'll meet in a facility that is our own. Uh, the days of renting are over. Um, we'll have the building free and clear, no debt on that building. And it will be a culmination of 10 years of saving and sacrificial giving that will allow us to be in that place. Um, and by God's grace, I want you to think about that building there. It will become a special place for many of us. Um, the hours that we spend there will be many. Whether it's in a, a church worship service, or whether it's in a fellowship, whether it's in a midweek meeting, whether it's in a Sunday night, whether it's in some kind of conference or concert, the hours are spent there will be many. It's a place where you will meet God. It's a place where you hear from His words. a place where you worship Him in a unique way with the body. It's a place where we will fellowship together. Some of you, children, may even get married in that building. In fact, I remember, Michelle, when uh, Ophelia, what exactly did she say? She saw this building and she said, what, I'm going to get married here? Ophelia announced that when we had the open house, whatever it was, two months ago. She said, I'm going to get married here. Now, some of you children may well get married in that building. Um, and then on the other side of life, there may be some funerals there that we have. Um, but in all, it would be a special place for us. It'll be a place that's filled with memories. Um, now, in many ways, the purchase of a church building for us, the church, is an act of growing up. Now, growing up is a process we're all familiar with. Children, you know what it's like to grow up, don't you? Asher, you know what it's like to grow up? 
You get stronger and you're getting bigger and someday you'll be able to lick your dad. Maybe, huh? Kids know what that's like. They get more responsibilities the older they grow. Parents, you all know what that's like because you've gone through it. And now you're watching your children grow up as well. Now, inherent in the process of growing up is a, is a times when we're stretched beyond what's really comfortable for us. Um, when you leave your child at school for the first time, you might have a little bit of anxiety there as they leave and, and go. As your child learns how to drive and drives off for the first time, I, I know what it's like when she leaves and you're like, oh, there she goes. The first time off, there's some anxiety there. Or, or perhaps I don't know this yet. Someday I will hopefully know this five times by God's grace. But when her child gets married, Anxiety upon the heart that they'll leave our home never to return again. But these things are part of growing up and they're part of parenting our children as they grow. And nobody would say that we ought not to go to school because it's uncomfortable or because it's different. And nobody would say that a child ought not to take responsibility, learn to drive or take other responsibilities on because of the, the difficulties there or the anxieties there. Or, or nobody would say that a child shouldn't get married because of the anxieties or the fears or the unknowns of the future. Well, for us moving into a building, it's much the same way. We're growing up as a church. And I know among some of you there are anxieties and apprehensions, uh, maybe a little bit of a fears, doubts. There are a lot of unknowns there, certainly. But it is the way of most every church, uh, at least in the United States. Um, very few churches ever make it their aim never to own a building. Um, most churches... Um, the vast majority of cases, when they don't own a building, it's because of financial limitations. Most churches who are renting, if they had the means, would purchase a place and be in a place. Many places rent a full-time place. I mean, it is, it is the way of many churches. and Many churches, if they had means, they'd purchase a building. And yet, by God's grace, we have the means. And we will purchase a building. And what a, a reason to rejoice. And, and yet, there is, there is a time in which it will be different for us. Um, you know, it's a time of transition after nine years in this place. I know that there's some apprehension for some of you, uh, some doubts about whatever financially the building or doubts about the building itself. Uh, and it's only natural to question some things because um, for many of you, all you've known at Rock Valley Bible Church is this room right here. Uh, some of you have some fond memories of this room, like the day... I put a uh, bottle through, <laughs> through the, one of those tiles. And um, if you're not laughing, it's because you weren't here. If you were here, you remember it. How many of you remember that day? Yeah, and we'll create some memories like that in a, a new building as well that we'll be able to laugh at the pastor, I'm sure. Um, and I, I know that the, in moving, there is some apprehension, there is some doubts about what's, what's going to go on. And, and such was the case with Israel when they're about to embark upon a new venture. Do you remember how they responded when God told them to take the land? The ten spies went in to spy out the land. The twelve spies went in actually and ten spies came back and said the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified. And on top of that, we see the people of Anak, the descendants of Anak live there. And the people were filled with fear and the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. And because of their fears, they doubted and didn't enter the land. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And even the pleadings of Joshua and Caleb were not enough to bring them into the land. Now, our situation is not like that. 
Okay, we, we haven't heard a voice from God. We're not going to conquer some city. Um, we're simply purchasing a building. And yet you see there even the tendency of the human heart to, to fear and anxiety, what, what they don't know. Even, catch this, with the, the promise of God that says you will conquer, and even with the proof of God in all the plagues in the Red Sea, they still feared in going in. And it's just a human nature. There are doubts and fears and questions and because things are going to change. I mean, uh, things are going to change about our ministry. I mean, up until this point, we've had a Sunday morning meeting here, and then everything else has been in homes. Uh, we've had home Bible studies. Our small groups are in homes. We've had man-to-man girl talk has been in homes. We've had fellowships in homes. Because that's all that we have. And in some regard, that's been very healthy for us, is taken church and brought it into the living room of life. So it's not just uh, between... The four walls, I know how easy it is to just come to church, put on a smile, and go home, and you kind of think you did your church thing, but at home things are radically different. This brings things into the home, which has been very good for us. However, with the purchase of a building, we're going to have some changes. I mean, up front and center, some are really obvious. I mean, think about the day when the temple was built. There were changes in Israel when the temple was built. For 500 years, all they had was a tabernacle, a tent that moved around from place to place. And if you remember, the Gershonites, the Kohathites, and the Merarites, they're the ones that had responsibility for packing up the tent and carrying it. And I find it very interesting. In 1 Chronicles 23, verse 26, we read this. The Levites will no longer need to carry the tabernacle and all its utensils for its service. They're like put out of a job. And so what happened was they were reallocated. They were reassigned. They then were to assist Aaron and the priests. And the obvious parallel for us this morning is that the days of setup are almost gone. Now, we met Phil Gusky wanted to meet in the building next Sunday because he's got set up next Sunday. But uh, you got one more, Phil. So, amen. Exactly right. But... The days of setup are gone, but it's going to transfer to maintaining a building as every bit as much work as setup is. It's just different, maybe more intensified um, rather than just Sunday mornings. But it's going to it's going to change. We'll just reallocate our resources. But that is that is a change. It's real simple. But but not all changes are as simple as that. There are, are some other difficulties that come which are, are hard to define. For instance, think about the second temple. The first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians when they came in 586. Um, I'm not 586. Yeah, that's about right. Is that the date? 586. They, they yeah, they, they conquered, they destroyed the temple. The, the the Judeans were taken off into Babylonia, and then they came back and built another temple. So it was another opportunity for the people of Israel to move into a a building. And uh, here's that came with some difficulties too. We read in Ezra 3 verse 12, the old man who had seen the first temple wept, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. In other words, the foundation is laid and the old men had their, had their hands in their face and they, just, they wept. And the prophet Haggai describes why they wept. He says, Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? Who saw Solomon's temple? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? So they were expecting this big temple, and what they get? They, they remember this big temple, and yet what they had was a smaller version of it. <clears throat> not as glitzy, not as golden. And they were depressed, and they cried. And, 
And then Haggai says, take courage, Zerubbabel, and take courage, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And all you people of the land, take courage and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. So in other words, he's saying, yes, it's smaller, but take courage because I'm with you. And it's not the building which is glorious. It is me that is glorious. And the temptation they dealt with in that second temple is that it would be small in comparison to what the first temple was. They had images in their mind of past glory and this one wasn't going to be close and so they wept with disappointment. I know that uh, some of you believe that the building we're purchasing is too small. Several of the feedback was, well, it's too small. Um, For you, you might might sense some of this here. Um, And I I just say, well, it's what we can afford. It's what we have. It's what came available. It never even hit the market. So I think that's God's provision for us. And it is... I believe it's plenty big. We can double in size and we still will fit comfortably in the auditorium. And what a good problem it would be to, to have to triple in size, to have to go to several services. Uh, that'd be fine. I think it will serve us well. But if you think we don't have a building enough building, I just say take courage. The Lord of hosts is with us in this process. Well, I, I, this morning, I, I, obviously, I am addressing the issue of, of going from where we are renting to a building. And uh, I listened this week to a message by a pastor who was leading his congregation into a new facility. Listen to what he said. This was some folks, who, they rented for about eight or nine years, kind of just like us. And he said this, of the building which they were going to move into, he says, it is a place that will have a much greater visibility than we ever have had before. It is a place that is going to speak of greater permanence and a greater stability and a greater maturity as a church is a place that's going to increase our effectiveness in our mission as a church. I would say, I can't agree with them more. These words, visibility, stability, maturity, identity, these are the the kind of things that a building will give to us. It will give us greater visibility in the community. We'll, We'll for once have a permanent sign that says Rock Valley Bible Church meets here. We've never had anything like that. They give our church visibility throughout the week. When there's a building and people are, oh, there's a church that meets there. I can't tell you how many times I have this conversation. Oh, you're a pastor of a church, huh? I say, yes. Well, where's your church building? Like, well, we don't have a building. We, we rent Rockford Christian High School and it really, really does a good, good thing for us. And then it, it, it ensues in discussion about the church. Yeah, we meet there on Sunday mornings and then we have a lot of things in the home. And uh, I often speaks of our immaturity. Right? That we haven't reached where many churches have reached in some regard. I anticipate things being difficult when I say, well, our building's on Alpine Road, north of Riverside, south of Harlem. I'm not sure if you remember, there's a church building nestled back in there. It's a wonderful place, suits us well, has a couple of acres. Would you like to join us on Sunday morning? And throughout the week, we, we meet there as well. And I, I think a statement that just says, yeah, here's where a building is, it, all it does is it communicates to people a permanence and a stability and a maturity which may lead others to join. It also gives us an identity. It, it'll place us in the city with a, a scope of ministry around us, presence there, give us something to use and service for the city. And as we move into this building, I do want you to think of the building as a tool. Think of it as, a, as, a, as an electric drill, if you will, to accomplish a task. And what this building is going to seek to accomplish is our mission as a church, which is to enjoy His grace and to extend His glory. And that's all this building is. It's just a tool to help us accomplish the mission. And I believe it's going to be a, a helpful tool in accomplishing our mission as a church. 
Now, as we transition to a new place, I, I believe there are, are particular temptations for us that I want to address. And um, as we grow up as a church, and I want to address them from a text of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 3. If you haven't turned there, I invite you to turn there. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at this prayer of Paul from verse 14 through 21. And, uh, you know, a little bit like last week, I'm, I'm going to launch from here to bring it straight to application. Um, though I don't think that um, uh, my application is going to be too far off. Paul certainly wasn't speak, thinking about people moving into a building with these words. Um, but he was speaking, thinking about the church, and he was thinking about what's important in the church. And I think as we take these words and apply them to our situation, I think you'll find that they, they match appropriately to what we need to have as we move into a, a church building. They're good words for us. My title of my message this morning is Growing Up in Our Facility. I, I do look to have uh, several of these growing up messages uh, over the next few weeks. Um, just to kind of help us think through this whole, whole transition. Ephesians three fourteen through 21. For this reason, Paul writes, he started the prayer in chapter 3, verse 1, but got interrupted by speak, thinking of the glories of, of the mystery of the Gospel, like verse 6 says, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, fellow partakers, partakers of the promise of Jesus through the Gospel. He's just saying that Jews and Gentiles are all one through Jesus. They, they partake of the same promises together. And he had to just speak about that's the ministry which he's called on. And it's for that reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father. Really a solemn prayer that he has there, an, an earnest prayer. You, when you really want to pray, oftentimes we get to our knees to show our humility and our earnestness. And that's what Paul's doing. He's kneeling before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Just here's the Father, the source of all life, the source of all blessing comes to us. And now here in verse 16 is the, the core and the crux of things. He says that you, He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, by way of outline, I have three exhortations. They come straight from the text. My first exhortation is this. Let's be spiritually minded. Let's be spiritually minded. You know, this is our greatest temptation. Moving into a church building is to focus our attention upon the building and saying, oh, look at what we have. It's like focusing your attention upon your electric drill. Oh, look at this drill. This is, this is wonderful. This is, wow, look, there's a screw here and speed. Hey, this is wonderful. It's like, no, you use the drill to make the building and the focus is the building. Right? And for us, the analogy is this, is the building is there to help for a bigger purpose. But our our tendency would be to look at the building and say, hey, isn't this great? Hey, I really like this. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, that needs fixing. And uh, what I'm calling you to do today is look beyond the building. Yes, see it. Don't ignore it. But see it as a means to an end, 
not an end in and of itself. Because if we set our minds on the things above, our transition in this building will be smooth as silk. But if we set our minds upon earthly things, there will be conflicts and disappointments all along the way. And so to protect us against that, I want us to be spiritually minded. And that is Paul's point really in verses 14 to 19 in the most general sense. He's praying that they would be, um, uh, that they'd be spiritually minded. Particularly though, let's look at verse 16 where the crux of the prayer is. He says that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. There, You see, it's a prayer for, for strength. It's a, a prayer for power. But it's not external strength. It's not muscle strength. It's not financial strength. Rather, it's inner strength. It's spiritual strength. And that's my point as we move into this building. It's my heart that we would have spiritual strength, that we'd be spiritually minded, that the the spiritual would enrapture us and that's where our heart's attention would be. That's where we'd be strong. And I bring this up because I do believe that's our temptation. I mean, for years we've had the privilege, catch this, the privilege of not owning a building. It's come with a blessing. The focus of our body has not been on the building. The focus of our body has been on the people. People come to Rock Valley Bible Church not because of the great cafeteria, or the, the great pictures of the high schoolers using their IMAX. It's not why they come. They come because of the people. And it's been a great blessing for us. And by the way, apart from a building, uh, we've had great opportunities. we built uh, a good portion of our finances went towards a children's home in Bakunde. And uh, we began a church building there in Bakunde as well, just helping them with some infrastructure so they can do ministry there uh, long before even we owned a building. Just good for us. We've had a, a privilege of, of doing that. And, uh, you know, in the sovereignty and the plan of God, I doubt not that that's the way God works. When you give, He then gives you in different ways. And uh, I do believe that we uh, have a blessing today because of that and are able to have a building of our own. But until now, our focus has been upon God and His people. We've had no choice. But with a building, we do have a choice. We can gravitate our thoughts to the church building in all the ways that we want to see it used, or we can have our thoughts gravitate to the Lord and to the people of the church. And, and that's what I'm calling us to, is to have the same mindset that we have had here. So we, we're, we're pilgrims here. We kind of come in and go, let's have that mindset there in the new church building as well. And I know in recent weeks we thought about purchasing this building. We've been thinking a lot about it. I know I've been thinking about it. I know this is going to change my life more than it changes any of your lives. As I think about... Taking have some office hours there and spending some days there away from my family, having a place to meet. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but there's fear and trepidation in me. But I've been thinking about that a bit. I know that lots of you have been thinking about it. The open house and even beyond, there's lots of questions. Hey, that platform is just way too tall, I've heard. Uh, I've heard that carpet needs replacing and the walls need help. <laughs> Put it that way, the walls need help. Um, the roof needs repair. Oh, handicap accessibility. We need that. There's no sound booth in the auditorium. We need that. Um, concerns have been about maintenance costs. Concerns have been about repair costs. And those are all good concerns and they're things. And I appreciate the things that you've brought up. And we all do. And, and as Phil and Darren and I were together making a final decision of uh, whether to continue forward with the purchase building or not, we, anything you sent, email, anything you said to us, we repeated I printed out emails, so we go through it line by line, statement by statement. Anything that fed back, we, we kind of looked at and evaluated as we prayerfully looked through everything. And so we appreciate all those things. Is the building perfect? No, it's not. Um, 
But there is an advantage, by the way, of moving into a building that's pre-existing because we don't have to deal with months and years of, okay, well, how are we going to make this? And, you know, the, I just know that they say that when a couple builds a home, uh, the stress and demand upon a marriage is a lot because so much attention is focused upon the building of that thing. And what a blessing it's been for us. I mean, we've just spent a couple months thinking about a place that's going to be there. Is it perfect? No, but it's, it's there and it's something. Does it need work? Yes. Um, should these things distract us from Christ and the glories of the gospel? No. Can they? Yes. And that's my point. And that's where Paul, just even his point here, praying for spiritual strength, for spiritual power. I, I do believe that, that this is our greatest need this moment. And may the Lord in His grace help us not to be distracted by the building that we have. May we enter the building as people focused upon the Lord, not on the issues surrounding the building. It's a tool to help us enjoy His grace and to extend His glory. Well, in verse 17, we see the purpose of Paul's prayer. The purpose of it is so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And you read something like that, you might scratch your head a little bit because doesn't the Holy Spirit dwell in us when we believe? Yes. Jesus even said, the Spirit of truth abides in you and will be in you. And how is it then that Christ, the aim is that Christ would abide with us? Well, what Christ is, Paul is praying for here is that Christ would fully dwell in us. D.A. Carson said it well. He said, It helps to recognize the verb rendered to dwell is a strong one. Paul's hope is that Christ will truly take up His residence in the hearts of believers as they trust Him and so as to make their hearts His home. And then he tells this analogy about just a a man's heart and how it gets prepared and how it just gets cultivated for Christ to dwell in greater and greater ways that we would be stronger and stronger than ever before. He He gives this analogy. He says, picture a couple carefully marshalling enough resources put together a down payment on a house. They buy their house, recognizing full well it needs a fair bit of work. They can't stand the black and silver wallpaper in the master bedroom and there are mounds of trash in the basement. The kitchen was designed for the convenience of the plumber, not the cook. The roof leaks in a couple of places. Insulation barely meets minimum standards. The electrical box is too small. The Lighting in the bathroom is poor. The heat exchanger and the furnace is corroded. But still, it's this young couple's first home and they're grateful. The months slip past in the years and the black and silver wallpaper has been replaced with tasteful pastel patterns. The couples remodeled their kitchen doing much of the work themselves. The roof no longer leaks. The furnace has been replaced with a more powerful unit that also includes central air conditioning. Better yet, as the family grows, the couple completes some extra rooms in the basement, adds a small wing to service the study and a sewing room, The grounds are neatly trimmed and boast a dazzling rock garden. Twenty-five years after the purchase, the husband one day remarks to his wife, you know, I really like it here. This place really suits me well. Everywhere we look and see the results of our own labor, this house has been shaped to our needs and tastes, and I really feel comfortable here. And then D.A. Carson comments, when Christ by His Spirit takes up residence within us, He finds the moral equivalent of mounds of trash, black and silver wallpaper, and a leaky roof. He sets about turning this residence into a place appropriate for him, a home in which he is comfortable. There will be a lot of cleaning to do, quite a few repairs, and some much-needed expansion. But his aim is clear. He wants to take up residence in our hearts as we exercise faith in him. 
And that's what Paul's praying for here. He's praying that you would be strengthened with power so that Christ would dwell in us in a greater and greater way. That He would really dwell in our hearts. That we would live sanctified lives. Or, as I've put it, that we'd be spiritually minded. That we would walk by the Spirit and not carry out the desires of the flesh. And I just say, it's, it's important for us in this transition in ministry to be spiritually minded. Right? To focus our attention upon the Lord. Paul's prayer continues in verse 17 through 19. He says, And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the, the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. We are grounded in His love, verse 17, and pursuing a, a knowledge of His love. Probably some sense of experiential knowledge of His love. It's a call really to reflect upon the love of Christ in the Gospels. What it means to be grounded in the love of Christ. What it means? It means to think and reflect upon, you know what, I was an enemy of God at one point. And yet, that's when Christ died for me and demonstrated His love for me. That's when He shed His blood at Calvary, when I, I hated Him. And, and He loved me enough to bear my sins in His body on the cross. And His love, as Jeremiah 31 says, is from everlasting to everlasting. And, and there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Death can't separate us. Life can't separate us. Angels or principalities or, or demons can't separate us. Nor things today, nor things tomorrow nor powers of any kind, neither height nor depth nor any created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ. That is how deeply rooted and founded we are in love. That's what verse 17 is talking about. Being rooted and grounded in the Gospel. The, the love of God for us comes undeserving. That He who didn't spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all. That's love. And, and, and then it's a, the fruit of that then we know that He will not withhold anything from us. And we can stand secure in that. And stable. And then, boy, verse 19 speaks about knowing the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Now there's an oxymoron in the Bible for you. Right? To know this love that you can't know, that will set you spinning. You start trying to do that. Well, I'm supposed to know this, but it's unknowable because it's, it's so big. It's like trying to say, well, you just got to drink the ocean, okay? Oh, it's so big, I can't drink it. Well, start, start today. It's hard. But that is the, the, the depth. I love the song we, we sang earlier today. It said, withholding nothing, you lavish your kindness upon me. And that is the love of Christ. God, God doesn't like hold it back. He, he withholds nothing and floods us with His love. Now, my point this morning isn't to dig deep, too deep into these words. Um, other than to say this, is that Paul is calling us to a, a spiritual mindedness that thinks and reflects upon the love of Christ that we have. That's aware of it. That's secure in it. That's pursuing it. And I do believe that such a mindset, if that is ours, will have little trouble in entering our building I, I know that the one thing that has concerned me pastorally is, um, as I've heard, 
You know, lots of opinions about what should be done and when it should be done and, and this and that. And uh, lots of opinions about when things should be done and how they should be done. And, and I guess I, I, do, I do have a concern for us is that if that's where our, our heart is, that's where our, our attention is, there'll be disappointments. I mean, because I've heard so many different things about different ways to get that building up to where someone wants it that I don't care what we do, it's going to disappoint somebody because they've thought something else. And because um, everyone has a different idea. And if our mind is upon that building so much, there's going to be difficult days ahead because your preferences aren't going to be satisfied. I don't care who, who decides them. They're not going to be satisfied. And you're going to be disappointed. And Satan can use that disappointment then to divide us. And this thing which has a great opportunity to unite us will be a division if we're earthly minded rather than spiritually minded. And so to this end, um, here's a concrete plan of what we're doing. Is Phil and Darren and I met and we have decided to delegate the responsibility of just deciding what's going to be done, how it's going to be done, order's going to be done to uh, three men, to Lance, Milton, and Ray Hook, and Dirk Reed, deacon kind of men who can do this. And they're going to decide what's going to be done, when it's going to be done, how it's going to be done. They'll take your feedback, your advice, your input. Um, but they'll also look at the financial situation, the big picture, the urgency, what should be done first, what should be done next. Uh, when should the roof exactly be repaired? What grade of carpet to get? How and when to make basement, handicap accessible? Help on the stage? Whatever. It's going to be these guys. We're going to do it. They're capable men. Um, Lance is a deacon. We're going to present Ray next week, hopefully. It's my aim to prevent leadership next week. That's uh, part of growing up. Uh, Dirk is every bit qualified in that. And I'm just going to ask you just to support these men in their decisions um, like I will do. They're spiritually minded men who are capable of, of making these kind of things. And they're going to employ you. It's not like they're going to do all this. No, I hope that they encourage you in the work, uh, whatever is to be done and whatever way can be done. If there's expertise in the community, you know, seeking that out um, however possible. But I have intentionally, by the way, purposely not placed myself in control of that because it's my job description as a pastor. Acts chapter 6, verse 4 is devote myself to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And I just want to try to model that. Now, as I'm in the building probably more than anybody, I will do some things. It's not a, it's not a problem. But I just want to model that, you know what, just the, the bigger things, the direction of that church building, it's off of me and it's not mine. And I uh, would encourage you all as well just to seek to encourage these guys and support them. I can't tell you how encouraged I am that um, in the midst of trying to get a final contract on this building, that I was literally halfway around the world when a final contract was signed. I didn't find out about it till a week later um, without email communication. I'm like, wonderful, just take care of it. Uh, I, my job is just to help us lead and think about think about these things. And, and so, like, for instance, even this past Tuesday, I had a meeting, Phil, Darren, and I, and, and Ray happened to be there. Lance couldn't make it, and Dirk not either, but um, we were there and talking about when our first service should be in this new building. Uh, now, here's the time frame, is that we close this Friday, Lord willing, I mean, if it all goes, um, but they have taken down their sign, there's intents there, and so I, I, I tend to think it's going forward. Uh, we close on Friday. We could have church on Sunday. We could do that. We could be off the trailer and do like what we do here, just kind of put in that would not be a problem in any way because the building is clean enough and good enough to do that. 
Um, but then we started thinking about potluck, and we don't have tables. Down, so we couldn't do potluck, and uh, kind of the consensus was, well, we really want to do that. So one last potluck next week is really why. Uh, with Rockford Christian, uh, we have uh, our contract is a one-month written notice, so we'll pay rent all the way through December, so it's not a problem there. Uh, but my preference, by the way, it still is, is that we would not go in the building on the 12th, but that we would kind of wait and kind of get the carpet right, and get the appearance right, so when we come in, it looks really nice. That's my preference. But the other guys in the room said, no, if we got a building, we ought to get in. So I'm like, you know what? No big deal. We'll go in. It's not my preference, but it's totally fine. I'm not going to make a stink about it in any way. I'm going to support the decision of other men. I think we ought to do that, and it'll work out. It's just fine. Um, but that's what we're going to do. Uh, it's what others prefer, and I just encourage you to support these men and what they decide so as to so as to make your preferences null and void. All right. First service, December 12th. All right. Let's be spiritually minded. Verses 12 through 19. And now verse 20. Let's ask God to do great things. Let's ask God to do great things. Verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Let me just finish the sentence. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Verse 20 is an amazing verse. Uh, it describes the amazing power of God that not only can God do what we ask for, not only can God do what we think and dream about, not only can God do far more than what we ask, not only can God do far more than what we dream about, but God can do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. On the one hand, this sentence is an expression of the omnipotence of God. God can do anything. He's the one that spoke the universe into existence. He's the one who sits in the heavens and does as He pleases. According to Jeremiah 32, verse 17, He can do all things. Nothing is too difficult for you. But, but this verse here isn't, isn't so much just a cold statement of theology that says God is omnipotent. No, the, the context here is a context of prayer. It's, it's the context of, of seeking a blessing upon our lives. Seeking God to, to bless us and strengthen us and help us. It's, it's in the context of God extending His favor to His people who ask. And this verse says that God is able to give generously to all beyond what they ask and think. And so, let's ask God to do great things with this building. Let's ask Him. This building is a tool we've never had before as a church to use. And I'm praying that God will use this building to accomplish great things for Himself. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that God will use that place for us to enjoy His grace. I'm praying that God will use that place for us to extend His glory. I'm praying that God will use that place to, to draw us all closer to God. I'm praying that God will use that place to give us a greater unity than we've ever experienced before. Just a camaraderie of what, what we've done together. I'm praying that we would enjoy further services in the building to edify us, whether it be a Christmas Eve service, maybe even this Christmas Eve, or a Good Friday service, or other such special gatherings together, Thanksgiving Eve, Whatever. I'm praying for a Bible conference every year that's well attended. We can bring people all across the nation in to teach us and really edify us, encourage us.
I'm praying for uh, a building to be used much throughout the week. It would not just be a Sunday morning thing, but there would be other uses and other ways that it would be used. I'm praying this building would extend His glory by bringing people to Christ. That people would come to a church in a building that weren't really interested in coming in a cafeteria. I pray this building would give us a fresh desire, uh, a new start in some regards, to invite people to, uh, to come to church, to a new building. Say, hey, we've moved to a new church and hey, you might be interested in coming. Invite people. I'm praying for more people to come to church. I'm praying for those who come to experience the facilities and like the place and stay. I'm praying for the neighborhood around the building. We have an opportunity to distribute some information to them and invite them. What a wonderful thing it would be to be able to walk to church. And these people could walk to church if they want to come. I'm, I'm praying for a vacation Bible school perhaps this summer. Use the building. Need some leaders for that if they want to. I'm praying for an Easter outreach to the community. Invite people to an Easter service. I'm praying for God to bring other unique opportunities for ways that I haven't even thought of about ways to use the building. And this this is the way God works, actually, is that you might you got all your plans you like this, and then all of a sudden God brings a person with an opportunity and it fits well, and you just say, That's it. That's why we're in Nepal. We're just praying, God help us in missions, and people and opportunity came and you know, teaming up with Bob Clinton. That's why we're there. And I'm trusting, I'm praying, God, show us uh, just the ways in which we can use this building. And, and, and God will bring those ways. I'm praying that we look back five years from now and reflect upon this time that we purchased this building and say, wow, that was a great move, wasn't it? Didn't realize all the blessings we'd have from it. But now looking back, wow, that, that really has served us well and will serve us well in the future. That's what I'm praying for. I mean, those are the things that I'm asking for. And those are the things that I think, you know what? Every single one of those things can be accomplished. But there are some other things that I, I can dream about, which, you know, I don't think there'll be any way that they'll be accomplished. But I can dream about them. I and it says that God can do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think. So here, let me just dream for you and see what God, God can do. I can think of revival breaking out. Where people just flock and come and desire just to hear the, the Word of Christ. I can think of packed auditoriums so we have to go to three services, Saturday night and two on Sunday mornings. I can think about that. I can think about planting another church with the abundance of people that come. I, mean, I can think about building an addition on the building, a gymnasium, so we can reach out to the community. Open gyms and basketball. I can think about several more pastors being added to staff of Rock Valley Bible Church. I can think about full-time missionaries, several being sent out from Rock Valley Bible Church, fully supported. I, I can think about um, a biblical training center with classes each night taught by pastors from around the city to help equip people in the Word of God. I can think of then that blossoming into be a seminary. I can think about after-school tutoring programs for kids in the neighborhood. I can think about a coffeehouse environment for Friday nights, just to enjoy that. I can think of sports camps happening on the lawn there. I can think about a Christian bookstore there. I can think about a Christian radio station there at the building. I can think about a daycare center for single moms, particularly there in that neighborhood. I can think about dinners being served with the gospel uh, shared, Thanksgiving and Christmas time and Easter. And all these, that, those are just things I'm thinking about. And God can do any one of those. What he wants. But that's, that's the spirit of this text, is that God could do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or what we think is what God is capable of doing. And so I can ask and think about these things. And I just say, are you asking God 
Will you ask God to do great things through this building? Or may it sadly be said of us, you do not have because you do not ask. We need to ask God to accomplish things. It's not for us. It really leads into verse 21. I mean, this is one sentence. It's, it's for God and His glory. Point number three, let's give all glory to God. To Him. Kind of picking up from verse 21. It's where verse 20 where He started. Tim was able to do this. Now to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's like they just compiles all these things. Right? The glory to God in the church that's among us. May God be glorified among us. And may God be glorified in Jesus Christ because that's what we proclaim and that's what we trust in and that's what we rest in. Not only now, but to all generations. Forever and ever. May God get the glory. May we give all glory to God. I love how Paul does right here, how it's a glory in the church. It's not in the church building. It's in the church, in the people of the church. It's us. And may we be those who give all glory and thanks to God for what He has done in our midst. Now, I just say this, with a, with a building like this comes a tendency to pride. Oh, look what we've done. Look what we have accomplished. Look at the buildings that we have purchased with our own means. Right? You can even hear Nebuchadnezzar's voice there speaking. And that's pretty easy to do. And, and you know what? I, I do think that uh, if we would have had a building about five years ago, Vaughn, I, I really think that uh, that would have been my perspective. Oh, you just teach the Bible. People come. No problems. We just go on. Look at it. It's just easy. And some of you know the problems, difficulties that we've had as a church. And coming in this building, I'm totally different now than it would have been five years ago. Um, I'm thankful to God that He has done this. It is for His glory. And may He accomplish what He wants to do among us. If I say a prideful attitude of, of look what we've done, accomplished, look at all the means that we have to do this, and that's just pride that's going to lead to a fall. And worst of all, it takes glory away from God because it puts glory on us and what we have done and then God and what He will do. And I say for those of you who think the building is too small, well, what a wonderful thing when God fills the place. Or for those of you who think the building is not the best location, what a wonderful thing if God still brings people even there. I mean, I admit the best location is right here on 90. <laughs> we can't afford things here. There's no building out here. That's where we are. And as God brings people, it's not our ingenuity. It's not our you know, figuring out where the corridor is. It's, that's what God has provided for us. And then it gives glory to God. Not even being in the best place possible. For those of you who think the building isn't nice enough, what a wonderful thing it is when, when God brings people to the church, even the building as it is. It's not a brand spanking new building. It's not a big and spacious place. It's a very functional place that will work. But, but catch this. If God uses it, then who receives the glory? God does because we're weak. And when we're weak, that's when God is glorified most in us. Because it wasn't our nice building or nice neighborhood. It was God who accomplished the work among us. And He'll get the glory because we know that it wasn't from us. Well, let me, let me close this morning with first-hand testimony. Uh, about Kishwaukee Bible Church. We started that church, boy, I, I can't remember, 18 years ago, 20 years ago, 93. 
17 years ago? Okay, 17 years ago. Um, started that church, carried on one year in a home, um, actually in my parents' home where I grew up, and the next year in a campus auditorium, and then a, an opportunity came to purchase a building. And this building is small. Um, we purchased it for the price of an average size home, $130,000 we purchased for. Um, how many of you have been to Kishwaukee Bible Church's building? Some of you? Okay, You'll, you can attest firsthand it's not the nicest building around, all right? Uh, it's old, I'm guessing it's 80 years old, maybe 90 years old. Um, doesn't smell really nice, kind of when you get in there, you're like, hmm. Okay, you need some air freshener or something in here. There's just this old building smell in the place. Um, there's a leak that's flooded the basement on several occasions. It's filled with some problems. Uh, it's on, it's on maybe a big parcel. I mean, it's maybe a maybe a third of an acre, fourth of an acre. I mean, it's an average sized lot for a house. In fact, even even now, they, they still get a call from a guy who wants to buy it for their house. And the Kishwaukee Bible Church kind of weighed back and forth. Well, should we sell it? And what should we do or, or not? Or, they're just trying to think about that because a guy wants to live there as a house, you know, and, and it's, I don't know how many square feet it is. 3,000 square feet? I don't know. 4,000 square feet? I'm trying to guess. It's just one, one big room kind of and then a, a room underneath that. And it's not, it's not the greatest place. But you know what? God used that building in a great way uh, when we were there. I remember uh, when, we, when we moved into that place, we had about 40 people. And uh, then people just started coming and coming and coming and coming. And, and within a few years, probably four years, we were packing that place out, 200. I mean, we're talking packing the place out. When we had people, families crunched together on the pews, the pews stacked really close together, people standing on the, the top. Do we, I'm not sure we ever had chairs on the stage. We were very close to chairs on the stage. We had chairs kind of along the side and all around. And it was a, it was a crowded, happening place. And that's a smaller place than uh, what we're what we're getting at now. Um, and those were great days because God was greatly glorified. It wasn't, they weren't coming because of the building. In fact, they came despite the building in many ways. And it gave, people, gave God great glory. And then we took some of those people and started the church up here. And then when God gave us this kind of building, we're like, whoa, this is wonderful. Um, it is interesting, I, you know, I did ask Steve Leston and Frank Yonke to come up and to look at the building up here, just to, on that day we had the open house, just come and share your thoughts, and I remember then I called Steve and asked him, what, what do you think? And he said over and over again, like three, four, five times, what a nice building, what a nice building, what a nice building, because he's got Kishwaukee Bible Church's building, and uh, it is three times as expensive. It is three times as nice as Kishwaukee Bible Church's building. And he just couldn't get overwhelmed. He just said, wow, this is a nice, this is perfect for you, perfect size for you. And uh, so I just kind of, that's a, a different a different perspective uh, of where things are. But we just need to use this. And it, it's not, I mean, we, we could have gotten a, a bigger building potentially. But this is what God has provided for us. It is a place that we can use. And may, may God just be glorified in that place in all that we do. And my my prayer is the same thing would happen to us at Rock Valley Bible Church, happened at Kishwaukee Bible Church, in terms of once we got a solid place, uh, there's kind of a rejuvenation in it, and people were interested, and oh, this is where you're going to be, and, and people came. And, uh, you know, it's God is going to do it, or God is not going to, but that's that's my 
my hope and prayer is that we would be spiritually minded people. That all the, the nitpicky stuff, you know, would, would, would not be a problem. That, that we would be praying people. That we would be asking God to do great things to the church. And that we would give all the glory to God and take none of it uh, ourselves. And so we just trust, trust God with that. That's my pastoral counsel to all of you. Uh, next week we'll talk about another aspect of growing up, um, growing up in leadership. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for just the encouragement, the excitement that this uh, building brings um, to our lives and to our ministry here. I pray that indeed you would use it to uh, to facilitate our mission as a church to enjoy your grace and extend your glory. Um, God, we, we want to just bask in the glories of the cross. And then we want to take that to the city that needs it with marriages in shambles and people in financial difficulties and uh, lives messed up and entrapped in their sin. God, may you release people through the powerful blood of Christ. And may you delight to use us in this process. We are... We are merely your servants, O oh God. We are, uh, we are not great. I pray that we'd be like, like David was. Who are we that we should be able to give as generously as this? Um, Lord, so I pray that you'd help us, protect us. Give us a time of great joy here over this next month. Um, and give us a time of uh, a great spiritual growth in our lives. And a great desire to see many others come to Christ. So help us with that, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.